Hello everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we try to answer once and for all, what is the best comic book adaptation? Yes, be it movie or TV show, we'll watch it and rank it until we have our definitive number one. Who is we? Well, I'm your host Andrew, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Mick. Hello! So, how are you doing today, Mick? Oh, well, you know, apart from um, being rudely awakened by... um, could only be described as a clean-up crew taking the bodies out of a private eyes apartment um, in downtown New York. Uh, fine. See, the problem is you say things like that, and it makes me really tempted to just abruptly change the episode to something else so that that's a completely that's right. out of context reference. That's right. It it would be tempting to do that, but then we'd have to stop here and then watch whatever it was you then suggested. That's true, and that would be more notes I'd have to make. And, if and it would also be a bigger editing job. And I know how much you hate work. Yes, once again, my desire for mischief is overwhelmed by my desire to not do extra work. <laughs> this is why you've never made it as a supervillain. Anyway, I think it's now about time we got saved by a sandwich as we behold... Jessica Jones, Season 1. So yeah, today we are talking about the Netflix original drama, which is, I mean, I think at this point, very nebulously part of the MCU. It's certainly MCU adjacent. There's a mention of the green guy. (laughs) Yes, the MCU is definitely happening in the next block over, unless Marvel don't want it to anymore, in which case... Maybe it, the it, big green guy was Marvin the Martian. It's a, it's a corner of New York that remains remarkably unscathed after the invasion of the Chitauri. It is. I mean, it's... I will say it does grind my gears a little bit older. Oh no, things haven't been the same since the incident. Bet, the incident, the New York event. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, if I lived in the MCU... I think every other week I'd be... Hey, remember that time when I got from Asgard like an alien invasion and then the Hulk beat him up? Yeah. It's, and, and the thing is, you know, the MCU, let's let's be fair, there's a lot going on in there. There's S.H.I.E.L.D. operations every other week. Well, at least for the first three seasons. There's, um, there's Inhumans running around. Badly. Uh, there's... X-Men flying around, there's any number of supervillains rampaging through the city at any given point. Uh, and and so, you know, to narrow it down to the event, it's like, or the incident, it's like, oh, do you remember that time when the clouds came across the sky? What, you mean Tuesday? No, 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 after that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really narrow it down. <laughs> it's like incident, incident, incident. I mean, bearing in mind that this comes after season one of Daredevil as well. Actually, yeah, the incident could just be that time when a man dressed as a devil beat up a, a mobster. Oh no, no, season season one of Daredevil. That man in a bandana. Actually, that's right. <laughs> 
And also season three of Daredevil. Yes. Daredevil just didn't like the costume, did he? Do you think it chafed? It looked like it chafed. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it started to chafe. <laughs> and by that point, Charlie Cox was big enough that you could say, nah, just give <laughs> me the headscarf again. <laughs> and the night nurse was going, I am not applying ointment there again. Anyway, also, I think <laughs> rewatching Jessica These are all Jones. These are all gags that we should keep for Daredevil season we should. one. <laughs> it's fine. We're definitely not above just reusing all of these gags again. Yeah. But I think, and also rewatching Jessica Jones, I've worked out what does like annoy me about all the the incident and stuff. It's because right. like the only reason they're doing it is it must be Marvel saying, actually, we don't have a lot of confidence in these series, so we want to keep it vague. Just sort of hedge yeah. our bets so that if it's not successful, we can just go, actually, no, maybe it's not part of the MCU after all. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it, I mean, just, it kind of sucks having the big company behind it not have that much faith in the program it's, well, it's paying to have made. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to, to understand. Because by, by the time Jessica Jones came out, season one, they'd already ditched the idea of tying Agents of Shielding too closely to the MCU because the TV show, by necessity, by being a weekly episodic um, thing, couldn't move quickly enough, or sorry, move too quickly to adapt to the storylines of the the movies. Yeah, that's why like a lot of season one of Agents of Shield feels like it's just waiting for Winter Soldier to come out. Yeah, and the, 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 you know, and then it doesn't kills. even work because Winter Soldier came out like at a different time in the UK, so it completely threw it off. Yeah, and it, that's the thing; it, it doesn't take into account the fact that you know, maybe, maybe someone will watch season one of Agents of Shield three years down the line. I mean, because they haven't got round to it. <laughs> to be fair, it does make Agents of Shield possibly the most authentic comic book-based TV show, in that you have to get about halfway through and then go watch something completely different, just so that you've got the context of the rest <laughs> of the episodes. Agents of Shield, the televisual crossover event. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. They should rename all the movies "The Road to Agents of Shield." Yes, that's it. The entire MC Avengers Endgame was a whole just building up to this one semi-popular TV series. Anyway, enough of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, back to Jessica Jones. So, yeah, the series was created by Melissa Rosenberg and based on the character created by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gados for the comic series Alias. So, Mick, do you have much experience with Jessica Jones in the comics? Well, it couldn't have been more timely doing this rewatch of season one because when I first started getting back into comics seriously around sort of 2014, in my local comic shop there was a copy of Alias Volume 1 um, on the Max imprint um, for sale. But as I already had a subscription to loads of comics going on, I thought it's going to be one too many. One too many series to keep a, an eye on. So um, I left it on the shelf. And then, because, let's face it, 
review material's been a bit thin on the ground recently. Um, for reasons. Uh, I picked up a copy again. Um, and I read it. And I, I enjoyed it so much that I have now ordered the rest of Jessica Jones. Well, that is, I take so, it you're a bit of a fan then. I, I, I do. I like it. And um, I like the fact that, and, and this, this works on the, the show as well, is that they haven't made this female superhero some tight spandex wearing sex goddess. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, she's not the. I mean, so, shall we say somewhat unrealistic depictions of the female body that we can sometimes see in comic books? That, that that's right. She 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 hasn't got curves that defy physics. She's yes, just and a spine made of elastic. Yeah, she's just a um, she's just a girl who wears jeans and a leather jacket and goes around doing her job, occasionally using her not visible superpowers of being able to be a bit strong and uh, I think she calls it jumping rather than flying now. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of... It's like the original Superman, isn't it, where she can jump really far distances but can't, like, properly fly. Yeah. So... And, and that's what I like about it. And the other thing I... The other thing I like about um, both Alias and... Jessica Jones season one is they don't really bother doing an origin story. There's just this vague reference to, oh yeah, I used to be a superhero. Yeah, I know the Avengers. But yeah, I don't do that anymore. Yeah, because I think, I mean, because I've not actually read Alias, maybe because again, it came out during the period where I wasn't really reading comics. And then mm -hmm. it's not been on things like Marvel Unlimited, so I've just not really had access to it. But I think with that, a lot of Jessica's origin stuff and the stuff with the Purple Man, that's like the big final arc. Yeah, um, and I think it's covered again in um, the follow-up series, which is called The Pulse. And it's hardly touched on at all in the in the more recent series. Um, there's a bit of a return of the Purple Man, but actually Jessica's past isn't really touched on. But um, so that's, I was always interested in, in um, the Jessica Jones character, and I thought, when the series came along, I thought, well, Daredevil had been all right. Let's give this a go. Yeah. So is there an interest? well, I, I said, interesting to me, bit of trivia about Jessica Jones. Yeah? It's that originally Alias was supposed to be about Spider-Woman. Ah, now that's interesting when you come to Alias season, uh, volume three. This year, because I think basically Brian Michael Bendis had like planned it all out as a Spider Woman series, and then basically realised when he started writing it, oh no, wait, I've, I've basically made a completely different character. So they were like, right. what if I made her a different character then? And sometimes that's how writing works. I'll cross out Drew and put Jones. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Do you ever look at things like that and see? I, I could just be a professional writer, couldn't I? It doesn't seem that hard. 
maybe Spider Woman just w- was created because they did a they did a Spider Man story and uh, Peter Parker just showed his uh, feminine side a bit too much, and so they went, "Oh, do you know what? We'll just put a W O in the title." <laughs> How dare you! Or have you know that is unfair slander, and I will not stand for it. Because the reason Spider-Woman exists is that someone at Marvel realised, wait a minute, we've got the copyright on Spider-Man, but not on Spider-Woman. <laughs> Quick, get something made so we can get it. And and that also, that theory also led to the uh, as-yet-unpublished Spider-Boy, Spider-Girl and Spider-Sibling. Actually, there is a Spider Girl series. Yeah, I know. I know. The minute I said it, I know. I, I knew you were going to say at least one of them existed. I mean, the Spider Ham, for example. Yeah, I mean, you've yeah. seen Spider Verse, Mick. You know, there's I, there's a lot of I Spider have. people out there. There is. Anyway, so I, yeah. Uh, I've really enjoyed Alias, and um, I really enjoyed season one of Jessica Jones as well. Nice. Well, uh, I think I've not got that much work, because like I said, I've not read that much of the original comics. Do you really like the uh, the Kelly Thompson series that you mentioned earlier? I think that's like the first yeah, thing with Jessica Jones as a main character of Red. So, shall I uh, go into the synopsis then? Yes, why not? So, as always, the book and in the discussion after contain full spoilers for season one of Jessica Jones. And it has been on Netflix for six years, so uh, well, for five years, so, you know. You've had your chance. You've had, you've had plenty of time. Also, I am going to need a bit of help from the audience on this one, in that I do need them to imagine an appropriately moody saxophone solo playing throughout the entire synopsis. Fair enough. So, New York, a hard city, a mean city, the kind of city that'll beat you down if you don't beat it first. It's a city that needs a private investigator as cynical and tough as New York itself. And on the rare occasion she's not at the bottom of a bottle, Jessica Jones, Kristen Ritter, is that P.I. Peeping on Flanders partners and serving subpoenas with nothing but her wits her fists, and her superhuman strength and jumping abilities. She definitely does not shoot lasers from her eyes, though. (laughs) Our story begins, as these kind of things so often do, with trouble, with a capital T. Jessica is hired by the parents of missing student Hope Schlotman, Erin Moriarty, to find their daughter. What seems like a simple case soon spirals into a dark web of trauma and deceit for Jessica, as she discovers that Hope has been abducted by Kilgrave, David Tennant, a mind-controlling psychopath who had previously held our hero in his thrall until his seeming death. And now this is the bit where you need to imagine the saxophone getting really badly. Jessica's first instinct is to get as far away from her former abuser as fast as possible. However, when Kilgrave forces Hope to kill her parents and frames her for the crime, Jess instead engages in a deadly game of cat and mouse to catch the purple man, and prove he's the real culprit. And by doing so, maybe 
Just maybe she'll be able to escape the demons of her own past. But Jessica isn't alone in her quest. She's joined by a small band of allies, also determined to kill them. These include... I, I think it's worth pointing out that she's joined by a small band of I, uh, allies, despite her best, best efforts not to be. <laughs> yes, she is. She is very much unwilling to have partners. But yeah, so anyway, yeah, this, this cast of human barnacles includes Trish Walker, Rachel Taylor, Jessica's adopted sister and the only person she truly cares for on this godforsaken earth, Jerry Hogarth, Carrie Ann Moss, a lawyer whose black heart hides maybe just the faintest glimmer of gold, Malcolm Ducasse, Ica Darville, Jessica's neighbor, forced into drug addiction by Kilgrave and used as a spy until Jess frees him. And Will Simpson, made by Will Traval, a police officer who was used as an assassin by Kilgrave, and also has a mysterious past as part of a secret government program. Then there's also Luke Cage, Mike Coulter, a barman with unbreakable skin who Jess engages in a tentative relationship with. But Jess has had a deep secret from Luke. It's a dark secret. It's that while under Kilgrave's control, she was forced to kill his wife, Reva. What will Luke do when he finds out? What will Jessica do when she finds Kilgrave? And by the time the dust clears, will any of our characters be able to find redemption? Also, Trish finds out that the, the program Simpson was part of is called IGH, and that was the same shady group that gave Jess her powers, but don't worry, that's more of a season two thing. <laughs> Anyway, that's our, our first season. Uh, On to the discussion. Also, yeah. I, I will say up top, uh, obviously I did watch all of Jessica Jones when it came out. Uh, for rewatching it, though, I've watched about six episodes. So I think I watched the first two, the last two, and then kind of two in the middle. Because quite frankly, noir-inspired plot synopsises don't write themselves. <laughs> Uh, okay. But yeah, season one, it's it's very good. So certainly the first eight episodes in particular, I think, are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and it's 13 episodes, isn't it? Yes, I will say. You know, if, if we want to jump in, just maybe get like Jessica Jones's big problem out of the way, which is... It just doesn't have enough plot for thirteen episodes. No, no, there is there is a little bit of padding. I would say there's a lot of running around between, say, episode uh, eight and eleven, particularly. Yeah, yeah, well, because yeah, cause especially episode eight, that's when Jessica yeah. actually captures Kilgrave, and then it's just a lot of oh, we've got Kilgrave. But he's used his control powers and so on, and now he's escaped. And we've got to chase him again. And now we've got him cornered, but oh, he's escaped again. We've got to go back after him. We found him again, but oh, he's escaped. Yeah, yeah, that that, that is a bit of unnecessary cat and mouse. Um, and it, it, I mean, to be fair, it's it's not a feeling that um, Jessica Jones has on its own. It's it's a feeling of serial TV, I think. 
you know, in a movie, you've got sort of two, two and a half hours to, to tell your story. Um, it's usually enough to get um, the main part of your story across without too much padding. Whereas 13 hours of television is a lot to fill. Yeah, um, exactly. And I know in particular it's something that all the, the Netflix Marvel series suffer from. Um, and I, I think particularly on a first watch, it's it's sometimes where Netflix damages itself by dropping the episodes all at once. Yes, exactly, because there is more of that pressure to watch them all like as soon as possible. Yeah, so you, you then end up watching it like a movie, and that's when it starts to really sort of show the weakness at the seams. But, I mean, for my money, that's its only big problem. I think um, I think they managed to introduce Luke Cage without making it feel like it's just a set-up for Luke Cage Season 1. Yeah, Luke Cage, he definitely does feel like a, a strong part. Like, he is a core part of this program. It's not like... Yeah. I mean, well, I guess... I don't mean this as a, as a criticism, really, but like in the way that Claire Temple shows up at the end, and that's clearly like a "Hey, look, it's Claire from Daredevil." Isn't that a fun reference? Yeah, it's not like "Oh, it's Luke Cage who's going to be in the Luke Cage show." Come back later, and that'll be important. And I guess that yeah. is because Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, like, they are very heavily linked. They are married in the comics. They have a daughter. Yeah, that actually might be. I'd say they're probably one of my favourite relationships in comics. So, um, I like the fact, having now read Alias, which I've read sort of five years after watching the TV show, it's stunningly close. I mean, obviously there's there's some adjustment to some of the characters and, you know, Jessica dates Ant-Man a bit less here. But, um... And doesn't name drop Captain Marvel every five minutes. But the show doesn't doesn't feel like a superhero show. It feels more like a private investigation show until you start looking into the there's the odd clue here and there that this is a superhero show. As we mentioned before, that the there's mentions of the incident, um, and there's mentions of the green guy, but apart from uh, key scenes of Jessica looking around sheepishly before jumping up to the third story of a fire escape or demonstrating Luke's invulnerability and holding a car that's got a got a subpoena um recipient in it. Uh there's there's not a huge amount of what you'd call caped shenanigans going on. Yeah, which I think definitely works because the whole point of Jessica Jones is she's very pointedly not a superhero. Yeah. Or indeed as she's keen to point out throughout season one, a hero of any kind. Which, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's 
actually no no super i think season one does it well i think it's it may be is one of those things that does great with me a bit more in season two when she's still no i'm not a hero i, I know i'm doing all these heroic things all the time but i'm not a hero damn it yeah but i think season one does earn it a bit more especially like stuff when jessica as soon as she finds out kilgrave's involved her first instinct isn't oh i've I've got to stop him because he's my arch nemesis. It's oh crap! Pack a bag, run away. Yeah. By the way, Trish, I need fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> I will not give it back to you. <laughs> but then, plot twist: she does give it back to her, and doesn't run away because otherwise it'd be a two-episode series max. Yeah, can you can imagine them trying to stretch that out into thirteen hours? <laughs> It's just Jessica Jones on a bus in real time. <laughs> Eleven episodes of Trish Walker looking at her phone going, Where are you, Jess? 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 Tune in next week to find out if she gets a reply. Episode eight is just Kilgrave sat in his house tapping his fingers on the table. Eventually she's going to show up. And it's just that for an entire hour. <laughs> see, see, you said we couldn't make Jessica Jones season one better. <laughs> and indeed we haven't. We've made it much worse. But, um, yeah, I think, I think it's... What it's got that a lot of comic book um, things don't have is it has complex characters I mean even Kilgrave is not a two dimensional power mad villain he's got um, he's got a backstory that makes you think ooh actually who are the bad guys here Um, yeah I mean it's because I, I wouldn't say it necessarily makes him a sympathetic villain. Because, like, he's definitely, he's an awful man who is just horribly abusive to people. Yes. But it is, like, I do find it really interesting, the idea that because he's got this ability, where if he just says something to someone, they'll do it. That means he's, he just, he physically can't, like, think of other people's opinions. Yeah, because he's just not had like that experience of having to empathise with people that most of us do growing up, and also has just had a horrible, horrible childhood being experimented on. And he was christened Kevin. He was. That's. I mean, I'm not sure. Is it worth to be? Is it worth to be called Kevin, or to have his actual comic book name, which is Zebediah Kilgrave? Oh. I mean, hold on. God damn it. Mick, did you piss off Swarm the Nazi made of bees again? <laughs> I mean, Zebediah Kilgrave actually sounds super villainy, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, Kevin. Kevin Thompson's an accountant, isn't he? Kevin Thompson's the kid that got bullied at school, and that's why he became a super villain. Zebediah but he's quite a naff Kilgrave. one. 
<laughs> Zebediah Kilgrave, he came from old money, didn't he? He didn't get bullied by anybody because he just paid someone to kill them. I mean, I think that's basically his backstory in the comics as well. Is it? <laughs> I've not got to the Purple Man stories yet. The earliest collections um, go a little bit out of order. That's right. I mean, to be honest, I, I mainly know of like, Daredevil stuff that you showed up in. All right. Yes. Also, do you know something else about the Purple Man? And this this might be a, quite a controversial statement. That David Tennant's pretty good at acting, isn't he? He is. No one can say, Jessica! Quite like David Tennant. Yes, as I proved. Actually, no, as I think I, I, I proved in the chat. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember if that was on the, on the episode itself or just when we were chatting afterwards. I most <laughs> definitely cannot. <laughs> but yes, he's chosen his, um, he's chosen his native English accent to portray Kilgrave rather than his uh, atrocious Scottish accent that he, he uses. Ooh. Don't know where he gets. <laughs> I feel like we're going to get in trouble for that one. <laughs> I think you might have uh, single-handedly just caused the second Scottish referendum. <laughs> but who will they have as king because Sean Connery's dead? Yeah, and, and as you've just proven, it can't be David Tennant. So, so there yeah. you go. We've done it. We've repaired the nation. <laughs> <laughs> we headed that one off at the pass. Phew. Yeah. So, um... but yeah, but yeah, I think he's just—he's such a good choice as well because yeah. he's very like naturally charming. So it just makes the fact that he is also this awful monster just like all the creepier. What I do like about Jessica Jones Season 1 as well is the fact that there is a backdoor pilot in there, but they, A, somehow managed to stretch it out for three seasons, and you're thrown a wobbler because she's not actually referred to as Patsy because she's called Trish, but actually Patsy is a very nascent um, wildcat. I think you mean Hellcat. Hell, Hellcat, Hellcat, Wildcat. That's Stargirl, isn't it? Yes, that's yes. It does not help that both DC and Marvel have multiple female superheroes who dress up like cats. Yeah. But yes, that is. I'm also, kind of disappointed they they didn't use Hellcat's. Origins from the comics because it's it's ridiculous. Because basically, oh, whereas where Trish Walker's transformation is perfectly straightforward and natural. I know, but I just I like <laughs> the comics. Patsy Walker was like the heroine of a bunch of like fashion and romance comics in the fifties, and then one day she just turned up in the Avengers and like, hey, Patsy, want to be a superhero? Here's a kite house costume, and that's it. That's how she became Hellcat. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's kind of that's kind of a similar story arc. They've just gritted it up for the MCU, haven't they? Because she was a child star. That's where the Patsy came from. Yeah. Also, also, I I do love the callback 
of like her show being it's Patsy. And yeah. then just at the end when Kilgrave thinks he's got Jessica and then she pulls down the hood to reveal it's Trish and he just goes, Ah, oh, it's Patsy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they, there's quite a few really nice moments in it. Um and there needs to be because when it gets dark, this show gets really dark. Yeah, because I mean, I, I know we kind of talked a little bit about it having like complex themes and dark stuff, and, but now this is like full on deals with things like abuse, PTSD, addiction, like proper heavy themes. Yeah, and it's I feel like it's one of those things we're maybe not the most qualified to go into it that much, except to say that I do think it does a very good job with them. Yes. I think uh I think it doesn't shy away. I don't I don't think it shies away from stuff that elsewhere in com Yeah, I think it is the advantage of something like this. And I guess like with the the Max imprint as well, turn it back to the comics. Yeah. Is providing that opportunity where you can specifically say okay, let's handle some darker themes, the kind of stuff that you can't do, you know, in normal comics. And also it helps when you take the time to think out, you know, what those themes are and what a meaningful way you can tell that story is and why it needs to be justified having those dark themes rather yeah. than, say, writing a DC comic where Batman just, just as his, as his little bat pal out all the time. <laughs> his little bat pal. His, his emergency batarang, as it were. I I thought that's what Batmite was. That's it. Yes, his Batmite. There we go. That's the real comic that DC are too cowardly to publish. But yeah, I think it is. It is also important that it does, like, not shy away from those themes as well, because it, like, I think it is. It's important to explain why Jessica is the way she is, because otherwise. I mean, she she technically can be quite an unlikable person. Like, she's very cynical, very mean to just everyone around her. And I think first of all, it helps that you can like fully understand. Oh, right, she's this way because this horrible thing happened to her. And also, just the way that Kristen Ritter is really fantastic as well. Like, she does a good yeah. job with all the snark and stuff, but still comes across like as quite vulnerable as well. Yeah, and I, th I think that's... I think that is one of the things I I enjoy about this series, is everybody, everybody in it has their moments of vulnerability, including Kilgrave. There yeah, are moments where he starts questioning his own actions and trying to find a, a rationale for them, a possibly delusional rationale, but finding it nonetheless. Yeah, I think it is because it's. It's again, I think going back to what I said earlier, I think the point I was trying to make is it makes him like quite tragic that you just realise, oh no, he's just, he's so messed up. You just could not even have the opportunity to be a better person. He just he does not he just fundamentally doesn't understand why he's the bad guy. 
Then again, he does also do things like tell people, if I'm not back in two hours, peel the skin off each other's faces. Yeah. And then the, the, there's a couple that get quite callously ignored. There's uh, there's one there's one set piece where um, a guy gets sent to stand by a fence, and as Jessica approaches the building, she sees him, and he's stood there. He's still stood there, and he's already peed his pants. And Jessica just blithely carries on. It's quite clear that he's just stood in front of a fence for no good reason. And around Kilgrave, there's only one possible reason why he might be stood there at a fence in the middle of the night. And she just blithely walks past him and carries on <laughs> about a business. No, none of the usual you're alright now, you can't touch it, blah blah blah. Get away from here. <laughs> I mean, in her defence, he probably does smell a bit by that point. <laughs> Yeah, it's Hell's Kitchen. She's she's probably seen and smelled worse. Actually, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think there's like one line in the last episode where they're talking about weird people. And someone says, oh, like the horse fetishist in Central Park. Everyone knows about the horse fetishist in Central Park. <laughs> it's, I feel, like, I feel like, just purely through all the TV I've watched, I have some strong opinions on New York. And they're not positive ones. <laughs> I love the oh. scene where I love the scene where uh, Jessica uh, tails the guy that she thinks is Kilgrave and ends up getting run over. That's a great scene. Ooh, I don't. I, I think that might be in one of the episodes I didn't watch because I've got a bit. I can't remember it. So there's there's one bit where um, it's just prior to. Um, had actually captured him. And she's just sat, minding her own business. Uh, and she just, out of the corner of her eye, she sees someone dressed in similar shoes and a purple suit. And she just instinctively starts tailing him. And then he disappears into a crowd as she steps, just steps out in front of this lorry <laughs> and gets taken out by it. And then, when she comes out, the guy that she's been following is just a concerned onlooker and looks nothing like Kilgrave, but she just saw the back of his head. But the, the, the cinematography is such that you only ever get to see this guy from waist height. So you only get to see his legs or his back, and he's got a similar haircut and all the rest of it. It's really well... It's a really well-filmed sequence. Yeah, it does. A lot of it is. Yeah, I was just about to say, there's some very well shot sequences in this. I think something, well, one of my favourite scenes as well is I think the bar fight in about episode two. Mm. Where it's just Jessica and Luke. And I think it's a nice way of both them like showing off both their powers. Where Jessica's just yeah. like grabbing guys and chucking them across the room. Meanwhile, Luke's just kind of stood there getting smashed over the head with bottles and just like calmly just like swatting people aside. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good show, isn't it? It is. It's an excellent show, yeah. and and as I've as I've now realised, watched uh, by reading Alias, there are a few little changes. But um, like uh, for example, Trish Walker doesn't exist in Alias, and 
Yeah, well, well I think Certainly. in the show she's basically replacing Carol Danvers, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. So, but um, there's some, like I said, there's some minor changes, and it's a, a bit less Avengery than the the comics. But um, it's a solid adaptation. Certainly yeah. of the characterization, Kristen Ritter as uh, it's, it's almost like it's the role she was born to play. Yeah, like it's definitely it's one of those things I I couldn't imagine anywhere else as that character now. Yeah. Oh, also, I did have one more cool thing I wanted to mention. Oh. Which is what they did with Simpson. So basically, in the comics, he's a character called Nuke, and basically the idea is. Um, he was like some kind of replacement Captain America that they made during the Vietnam War, where he's right. basically a soldier who they've given like pumped full of all these sort of weird drugs that make him sort of like Captain America, but much more unstable. And then how they've translated that, because I feel like for Jessica Jones, you cannot have a man with no shirt and an American flag tattooed over his face. But what they've done instead, if you look at Will Travell, and the way he dresses in that, like the leather mm. jackets and the way his hair's parted, he looks yeah. like almost but not quite like Chris Evans. So he Pound is one, Chris Evans. Exactly, he is like Captain America, but a bit off. And I think that's just really clever. Anyway, shall we rank Jessica Jones season one? Remind me where we are with our rankings. So, our ranking list currently goes from 1 to 24, number 1 being Road to Perdition, number 24 being 30 Days of Nights. I'm thinking probably somewhere in the top bit, so do you want me to run through maybe our uh, top I, I mean, six I, or so? At this moment in time, I'm certainly putting this in the top 24. It's, it's a bold choice. So, <laughs> to run through our front runners at the moment then, uh, number one, we've got Road to Perdition. Number two, uh-huh. Hellboy. Number three, Sin City. Number four, Umbrella Academy Season 2. Number five, the Watchmen TV series. And number six, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Right. Well, I think, for me, bearing in mind our criteria of um, best adaptations, it is. I'm certainly not going to disagree with that. I think the main area of um, if it is, is it number two or number three? Mm. I think. I think personally, I'd want to put it at number three. I can't think of a com- I can't think of any compelling argument to disagree with that. Well, give me enough time, and I will. Yeah, well, enough time or enough backdoor scientific experiments to boost your powers. (laughs) Or, if I could just get to with it... That's the trouble with this tier system. I can't use my Kilgrave-like powers. No, you can't. Because I can't get close enough to anybody to use. Oh, that's the Jessica Jones remake I want to see. That's Jessica Jones Season 4, The Return of Kilgrave. But Kilgrave's camped out in a tier three area, and Jessica is in the tier two. He's just got to stand on the other side of a bridge trying to yell at her. <laughs> Jessica, 
Jessica. <laughs> do you think that ever happens? Do you think people just mishear what Kilgrave says? Oh, that could that could be a like spin-off. What if Kilgrave had a speech impediment? Or just like, what if what if like he wants the the guy to stand on the fence, but he says. Okay, I need you to go over there and have a long wait. And then we just next see him searching through every single hardware store in the city, completely desperate. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, that's that's Jessica Jones then, now you number three. And with that, I think it's about everything from us. So if you would like to listen to more, you can find all our old episodes on the feed or just wherever you get your podcasts. And if you do subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. Uh, if you want to get into touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. And if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you did leave us a review on iTunes or just your podcast app of choice. It is the best way for us to grow as a show and to reach new listeners. So I think that should be everything then. Until next time, I've been Andrew. I've been Mick. So long, and thanks for listening. Yes, I could Jessica. Jessica! Jessica! Come here, Jessica! Jessica!